Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. So friends, at this point in the Matthew's Gospel, the Gospel we just heard today, it's important chronologically to have this in your mind, that this occurs immediately after the transfiguration, the gospel we had this past weekend. So Jesus has just gone up on the mountaintop with Peter, James, and John. He's revealed his glory before them, this unbelievable manifestation of his might and power. He comes down the mountain, and this is what he says to them. Behold, we are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and scourged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Now for the other nine, not Peter, James, and John, but for the other nine, these words by themselves would have been extraordinarily confusing. But you have to put yourself in the mindset of Peter, James, and John. Like they just saw this manifestation of glory and majesty and divinity shining out of his humanity. He's talking to Moses. He's talking to Elijah. This is not an an ordinary person. And he's coming down the mountain now saying, we're going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be handed over, mocked, scourged, crucified. And then something about being raised on the third day, they can't even hear it. What he's telling them, what he's laying out for them is his strategy He's beginning the campaign. He's made his turn to Jerusalem. He's beginning his campaign. He's marching on the gates of death is really what he's doing. I mean, notice what he does not say, which is probably what Peter, James, and John are expecting him to say. He does not say, we're going to Jerusalem. I'm going to overthrow the Romans. I'm going to slap those Pharisees and scribes around, right? The thing I just did on the mountaintop, watch what I do in the temple. I'm going to do that magic trick again. He does not say that. He doesn't say, I'm going to go show them who's boss. I'm going to reveal my divine glory to them. No, he says, we're going to go there because I am going to be handed over. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be killed. And I'm going to be raised on the third day. And they do not understand it. They do not understand what he's saying. There's just this massive cognitive dissonance in their minds. And we see that because the mother of the sons of Zebedee, God bless her, she comes to Jesus to make this whopping ask of him, right? Command that my sons sit one at your right, one at your left, when you come into your kingdom, when you come into your glory, when you come into your power. She has no clue what she's asking. She has no clue what she's saying. And her question, it reveals not only her lack of understanding, but their lack of understanding, and and honestly, our lack of understanding our lack of understanding. Because she's thinking in terms of power and authority and conquering and, and winning in this way. And I mean, and that, is that not how we think? It's, it's how we think. There's something in us that would just rather Jesus be the conqueror. For Jesus to be the one who would smite the people who were doing all these unbelievably awful things in our culture, in our world. Jesus, just snap your fingers Make them go away. Reveal yourself. Throw forth a legion of angels. Do something. Do something. Is that not what we hear in our hearts? 
Is that not what we hear in our hearts? Fight back. I'm reminded of that scene in Gethsemane when Jesus is being arrested by the soldiers. Right? They come to him at night with clubs and torches and weapons. What do you see? Like the battle is about to begin. Clubs and torches and weapons. And Peter, what does he do? Peter is thinking in the terms that we think, right? He draws his sword. The battle's on, fighting tooth for tooth, blood for blood, blow for blow, right? He unsheaths his sword and strikes the high priest's slave and cuts off his ear. Is that not how we're supposed to fight? And what does Jesus say? Put away your sword. Put away your sword. He's fighting in a way that the world has never seen. Because this is, a, this is an entirely different kind of battle. What does St. Paul say? Our battle is not with flesh and blood. Our battle is principalities and powers with angels and spirits in the high places. And what he's saying to Peter, what he's saying to us, what he's saying to the mother of the sons of Zebedee is, watch what I'm going to do. Watch me. Watch how I win this. We are fighting not flesh and blood. We're fighting against the spiritual realms who want the destruction of everything that is good and true and beautiful. But the thing is, we know who wins. Jesus wins. His church will win because his church is his body. It is his bride. But the church, our triumph is not going to look like what we want it to look like. We want it to be unsheath the sword, strike down the enemies, have this great ascendancy. You know, the catechism teaches The Catechism teaches that the church will enter this final age of purification not through this gradual ascendancy. It's not like things are going to suddenly just skyrocket exponentially upwards. The Catechism teaches that the church will enter a final Passover by following her Lord into death. Into death. What happened to the head will happen to the body. What happened to the shepherd will happen to the flock. What happened to the bridegroom will happen to the bride. It will look for a time like the church has died. Just like it looked for a time like our Lord was dead and gone. But give it three days, right? Give it three days. The only only weapon is the cross. The only way up is down. The only way to life is to pass through Like the eye of the needle of death. That's the only way. James and John didn't understand this. The apostles didn't understand this. They eventually did. Because they did also drink from the chalice of suffering and death that Jesus drank from. They were also martyred. They also gave their life. And in so doing, they entered into eternal life. The same chalice is being held out to all of Jesus' disciples today. And I pray, I pray that we would be willing to follow him. Because it's the only way. It's the only way. Amen.